What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. It is good to be back, folks. Mike Randall here with you solo while Gus is enjoying the beautiful, beautiful area, sky, and all that Maine has to offer. Sent a nice tweet out there for you on the Twitter handle. If you're not following us, give us a follow at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Gus is finishing up, gave you some great, great solo podcasts. So we're doing a little tag team action here. And I'm going to take a deep dive into the college basketball season from last year, as well as preview this year for you. Summer's over, folks. We're back. NFL football is about to start up. But NCAA basketball's cooking. We got some things going on out there. We got Marvin Bagley deciding to go to Duke. The question is, is he going to be eligible? We got Purdue ripping it up over in Israel right now. There's some things. It's percolating. It's percolating. It's like the water you put on for tea on the stove just starts bubbling a little bit. It's not a full bubble, but it's there. So I thought it'd be nice here to go take a look back at the top 25 from last season, right before the tournament. And then give you my top 25 as we stand right now. They're not subject to change, of course. But right now, as we hit late August, we're heading into September. Kids are going back to school. Now's a good time to sort of take a check. Take a lay of the landscape, if you will, and see where the teams add up. But before we do that, let's take a look at last year's top 25. So the last top 25 that came out was on March 13th. That was right before the tournament. So call postseason week one. Let's take a look at where the teams were. You know, in the other receiving votes area, and I think they're worthy of a mention, just want to give a, a shout out. We're going to go in reverse order. You had Northwestern. They actually made the NCAA tournament. Not only did they make the NCAA tournament, they won a game. They got an all others receiving vote, also receiving vote. They got one. So did Arkansas, VCU. Seton Hall has two. They made the tournament. And honestly, they're going to have a good team this year. Got a lot of guys coming back, Seton Hall. Virginia Tech, Buzz Williams doing a great job down there with three, three receiving votes. Vermont with four. Gus told you about Vermont. That's one of his sleeper teams. John Becker doing a great job up there in Vermont. Nevada with five. He talked about Nevada as well. The Wolf Pack. Don't sleep on them. People, basketball does exist west of the Mississippi. I know you think it doesn't, but it does. And Nevada is going to be a good team this year. Princeton had five from the Ivy. Oak State with eight. Creighton had 10 also receiving votes. And boy, what a crazy year Creighton had, huh? They could have been so good. I feel like their peak was that second half run against Villanova at home. And then after that, everything just went downhill. But Gosh, that was a team I really thought I had a Final Four feeling for them. They had a good group. They need that point guard, though. You need that point guard so badly in March. And and certainly, hopefully, the Mo Watson situation gets resolved, however it needs to be resolved. But gosh, that was a team that was real good. Shooting those threes just didn't happen. 
Rhode Island had 13. We're going to talk about Rhode Island a little bit. They got a lot of guys coming back for Danny Hurley. Minnesota had 20 also receiving votes. They were very good as well, and they have a lot of players coming back. They're one of the sleepers in the Big Ten this year. Minnesota Golden Gophers, Richard Pitino doing a fabulous job. And of course, Middle Tennessee State, the number 26 team, if you will, in the country at the end in that poll, right before the postseason started, had 35 votes for the top 25. Great job, Kermit Davis. We'll try to get him back on again this year for you. Now to the top 25. This is how it ended last year, in case you forgot. Wisconsin was 25-9. and The Badgers were 25th in the country. Interesting with Wisconsin, they really ended strongly, but we talked about this during the whole season. Nigel Hayes, non-existent for a lot of the season, up and down, not taking over, but they had the potential with Hap, who's coming back and is going to be a, a, a favorite for one of the best Big Ten players this year. Bronson Koenig also really got hot in the NCAA tournament. And they're a veteran team, and that's what they did. But they were very up and down, but ended the season okay, enough to sneak into the top 25. Number 24, Virginia, UVA. They always defend, shoot the ball, London. Remember that first round game that they had against UNC Wilmington? And gosh, UNC Wilmington, they could shoot it from three, but that really was the type of team that Virginia could handle. Like they could slow down, down screen, back screen. Parentis was great in that game. UVA is always tough. They're always going to find their way there under Tony Bennett into the top 25, and they ended up number 24. One of my favorites from last year, one of my favorites from this year, the Michigan Wolverines finished 23rd. Remember that crazy story with the plane sliding off the runway as I got ready for the Big Ten tournament, and then they went on that crazy run. They were Big Ten champs, and then they made that run all the way against Oregon, and Derek Walton Jr.'s shot just did not go in for them, but what a season they had. John Beeline can coach his tail off, folks, and you don't want any part of that team. He's brought a stability to that team and the threat that no matter how it's going, whether they're playing well, they're not playing well, they are a threat, home or away. Michigan Wolverines were 23rd in the country. 22, oh my goodness, here we go. Hackman Landell, the St. Mary's Gales. I really thought St. Mary's was going to stick it to Gonzaga and was going to beat them at some point last year, and they just never did. They ended up playing a great game in the NCAA tournament. They gave Arizona all they could handle in the second round after beating VCU. They can score with anybody. The question is, can they defend? But they have a lot of players coming back as well. We'll talk about them soon. They were 22nd in the country. 21 was Butler, right? Butler, who beat some fantastic teams throughout the year, then had some head-scratching losses, but what they could hang their hat on in the Big East, they did beat Villanova twice. Great great coaching there, but they're going to lose Holtman. Holtman's now at, Chris Holtman's now at Ohio State. So Butler stays within the programming and takes Laval Jordan. So they're going to be an interesting team this year. But let's see if Jordan can keep that team going. That's sort of always dangerous in March. Ever since Brad Stevens got him back-to-back NCAA title games, Butler has always been a threat. They were 21. Number 20 was Florida. Florida, great season for Mike White. Really came on. They did not get enough press in the beginning of the year, but he brought everything together. They had they headed to the Elite Eight in New York in that east region of the blow-up bracket. There's always one. They were the four seed. South Carolina, the seven seed. They lost 77 to 70. But Mike White, what a job he did in that great game against Wisconsin with the back-to-back buzzer beaters there. With Chris Chioza hitting that three-point buzzer beater to send Wisconsin out of there. What a great job Mike White did in the Gators. And they're a team also that's going to be on the rise this year. They're not going to be under the radar like they were last year. No way. 
Wichita State, number 19 in the country. They were 30-4 and four last year. They got all five starters returning, including Landry Shamit, who should be ready for the beginning of the year with the surgery. Wichita State, Greg Marshall, tremendous job. He's always in the hopper for any job that pops up, but he loves it at Wichita State. Does a great job there. Wichita State's going to be an issue this year as they make their switch to the American Athletic Conference. Number 18, Cincinnati. You know my Valentine, Mick Cronin. Cincinnati, down screen, ball screen, blue collar defense. One year, folks, they're going to put it together. They're going to have a run like a South Carolina did. Very similar programs, very similar hard-nosed coaches with Frank Martin and with Mick Cronin. Cincinnati finished 18th, 29-5. Fantastic season for them. Remember that big win that they had early in the season at Iowa State, who, by the way, finished tied for 16th. No, 17. We had two ties for 16 with the votes. Iowa State at 16 and Florida State at 16. Two teams that scored well throughout the year, but it was hard to get a grip on them. Monte Morris led Iowa State and Florida State led last year by Dwayne Bacon. Big, a big win for them was at Virginia early in the year. Remember that? Uh, Gus's big guy, Jonathan Isaac, of course, drafted now is going to be doing damage in the NBA, but they also have a real strong recruiting class, and that's a team as well who also we're going to talk about in a little bit. Moving on, Purdue number 15, and this is one that Gus and I disagree on. How Purdue is going to do this year is fascinating because they have Carson Edwards, Vince Edwards returns as a senior, Matthias can shoot it, uh, and they got the big guy Haas in the middle who isn't even a poor man's Caleb Swanigan. But the question is, how much did Swanigan make those shooters? How much did he open up lanes for them? Can they do it on their own? Edwards put 30 points in in Israel tonight, I read. So they're, they certainly look like they're the part. They have a lot of teams coming back. They should be a contender in the Big Ten. I do not think they're going to be as good as Michigan. Gus does. Purdue is an interesting team. How much was the Swanigan factor an issue? They finished up. They were number 15. Number 14, Notre Dame. Mike Bray can always score, and they certainly could with the best of them. Tremendous job by them all around. Fell to a West Virginia team. That was that that second round on that Saturday. Remember that game early in the morning? Notre Dame just didn't get going early enough, and West Virginia just kept the pressure on. Mike Bray always does a good job. Notre Dame always a factor. Had a tough run against Princeton in the first round, but always ends up to be in the mix. They finished up number 14. 13 was those West Virginia Mountaineers. Press Virginia, if you will. Big win for them. They were a major part of our, our podcast the entire year. Remember, they knocked Baylor off. It wasn't even close. I think they were, what we say, they were favorites in that game. And the Baylor undefeated Baylor from Alpha undefeated Pi. Remember that? By seven or eight points. Gosh, it wasn't even that close. Huggy Bear does a great job. They're 13th in the country. They ended up at 26-8 and eight on the season. Number 12 were those Baylor Bears. And gosh, I felt they had the schematic to really do some damage. And then things really opened up for them. Once SMU lost in that tournament to USC by one point, and then they beat USC, they really had a chance but got their doors blown off in New York against South Carolina by 20. Gosh, with Jonathan Motley, if you had told me that that bracket would not have a 1, 2, or 3 seed, that Villanova, Duke, and Baylor would all not Villanova and Duke would not be there. Not only that, that they would lose Virginia. They wouldn't have to play a contra, you know, sort of a, a tough matchup for them. I thought they would do a lot better. Had a great beginning of the year for Scott Drew. Really upset a lot of people, but then had the bad loss in the Sweet 16. SMU number 11. Gosh, Gus and I loved SMU. Both of us did. They were such a quality program. Semi Ojale now in the NBA, transferred from Duke and went there. They had that tough 
play-in game rule against USC. The play-in game team, folks, always gets hot in the tournament. We know that. It's just we both thought SMU was so strong and they could overcome it. And if they had gotten by that game, part of me thinks they really could have made a run to the Final Four. They were 30-4. and Tremendous job down there for SMU. Just a, a, an outstanding program, and they finished ranked number 11 in the country for a team that was on the verge of really not even existing years ago. Tremendous job there by Tim Jankovic. What a great job for SMU. Love that program and love him as a coach. Number 10, Louisville Cardinals. Just a team that the entire season, even though they finished ranked in the top 10, just struggled with their identity right? They, we kept saying the whole time on the podcast, they were the biggest team that Rick Pitino ever had. Rick likes to get up and down the floor. He likes to press you. He likes to really get after you. And this was the biggest team that he had. But in the end, it just didn't translate to end of year success. They beat Jacksonville State. Then they ran to the buzzsaw that is Michigan and beat and lost to Michigan 73-69 in a bracket where people really would have loved to see them versus an Oregon or a Kansas. But Michigan was hot, knocked Pitino out. Listen, the Cardinals are always going to have that style, but the bigs did not come around good enough for them, either rebounding or from an offensive standpoint for them to be an issue. Number nine in the country was the Oregon Ducks. We were on them all year. Dylan Brooks came back in, hit that big shot against UCLA to win the game at the buzzer at home and knock them from the unbeatens. They were 29-5. and They made the Final Four. They had a great game against North Carolina, undermanned, without Chris Boucher, most of the, the, the end of the season without Chris Boucher going to the NCAA tournament. The Ducks were tremendous. They gave us everything they wanted to. Dana Alton made a Final Four. He deserved to make one and did it in a way when most thought he did not have a chance. Moving to number eight, the UCLA Bruins, the legend that is Lonzo Ball is gone. What does Alford have for a a a, a follow-up to that season? We'll find out. 29-4 and four, the Bruins were. So many great games for them the entire year. Very entertaining. Could score at will. Alford, who was great shooting as well as Sun. Just a fun team to watch. And who will forget that early season win at Kentucky, which told us that maybe Kentucky wasn't head and shoulders better than everyone else, which I'll get to in a minute because as a team right now this year, <laughs> Duke, that people are saying is head and shoulders above that. I don't know if I agree with there. But Kentucky, again, was the favorite. They went in. They won that game in Lexington and really announced the arrival that they were going to be an issue. Kentucky did exact their revenge in the Sweet 16, 86-75. They played defense. UCLA did not. That eventually did them in. I thought they were going to get done. And as does Gus, I think, against Cincinnati. I think that was a really tough matchup for them. But once they beat Cincinnati, I thought they beat Kentucky because I thought they could go up and down. But Kentucky really dug in to Aaron Fox and crew. So UCLA went out in the Sweet 16. This year, they should have a good, they're going to have a good recruiting class as well, so they should be back up there again. Number seven was the Duke Blue Devils, 27 and 8. Sort of a disjointed year, waiting for people to get healthy, overshadowed by the Grayson Allen issues that existed the entire season, and that all added up to a loss in the round of 32 to South Carolina, the upset minded Gamecocks, seeded number seven beat the Dukies there, and went on a run and got all the way to the Final Four. But Mike Krzyzewski is loaded. He's got five-star recruits all over the place, and he's going to be at the top of a lot of people's top 25 this season. Following up, 
Speaking of five-star recruits, the Kentucky Wildcats. The Wildcats, Calipari, you know, I've come around on Calipari. My argument with Calipari is he just recruited. He never really coached. You know what? Calipari did a great job. He has a skill of getting players who are high school stars to come to his program, to buy into lesser roles, and to play together as a team. And he turns out pro after pro. He's the greatest recruiter we've had in this era. I don't think it's even close. And he had a season where his team ended up losing in the Elite Eight to North Carolina by two in a game De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and company played fantastic. He has another loaded team. And honestly, for a team that started off as they were the no doubt best team in the country, then people cooled on them because Fox got hurt. They ended up strong and had another really good season. 29 and 5. They were sixth in the country. Number five, the North Carolina Tar Heels. They are your national champions. Old Roy got himself his third national championship all at North Carolina. Anybody else remember the days when he was at Kansas and everybody said, oh, I don't know if Roy can win the big one. Now he's got three titles. He passes Dean Smith who only got two at North Carolina. He got three. That was a big one. Great team. Rebounded from the Villanova loss the year before on the shot by Jenkins at the end. They come back and win the national championship, beating Gus's Gonzaga Bulldogs. What a season they had. They were ranked fifth at the end of the regular season in the AP poll, 27-7. and Number four, Arizona. And there is a lot of pressure on Arizona this year, folks, with Sean Miller. They were 30-4 and last year. They were ranked fourth. Again, Arizona had a path here that they could have made a Final Four. They played North Dakota, blew them out. They played a resilient St. Mary's team, but had enough there. Then they played Xavier, who everybody thought they were eventually going to beat and they were up in that game I think they were a big they were a big Alonzo Triad scored 15 straight points in that game and they got Arizona up eight with four minutes left you have gotta finish that one off Sean then they stalled out on offense they didn't score over the final 252 Xavier closed on a 9-0 run that was Trayvon Blewett scoring 18 of his 25 points in the first half to keep them close with Arizona disappointing year they have people back they're going to be one of the favorites this year but last year great regular season did a fantastic job 30 and 4 the whole thing with no Trier because of the whole test with the substance did he take it did he not take it knowingly but he came back. Gosh, we thought they were going to be big, especially after having that trouble the year before and that loss to Wichita State in round one. Arizona finished ranked fourth, 30 and four in the season, but certainly a disappointment in the tournament. They want to get to a final four. Our top three teams from last year, according to the AP poll, you had Kansas at 28 and four, just another great job by self winning his 13th straight Big 12 championship. They look so strong playing in Kansas City, UC Davis blew them out. Michigan State blew them out. Purdue with Swanigan and the three-point shooters blew them out. Then he plays an underman Oregon team, and Oregon just takes it to them in the Elite Eight, even though they're playing in Kansas City. People are going to talk about self. He does a great job, but he needs another championship. If they do that, they'll be off his back forever. But that, again, was a situation you would never have thought that Kansas would have lost to a team without Chris Boucher, but they didn't do it. It was a lot of Frank Mason threes. Devontae Graham, he's here. He's there. He's, he's feast or famine. He checks out. Josh Jackson did as much as he could. They did come over, overcome some adversity with them, with Azabuki and the other issues that went on during the year. But I have to tell you that even though it's an Elite Eight, and even though they finished ranked 28 and 4, they finished 28 and 4, third in the AP poll. Again, Kansas wanted at least a Final Four out of this team, especially with Frank Mason, National Player of the Year. 
Number two, team the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I don't know what else Mark Few could have done. It all came together this year. My partner, Gus, was on them from start to finish. He predicted them to the Final Four. He got them there. They played their guts out in that final game. For a while there, it looked like they were going to take it. A great coaching job by Mark Few. A special program. The idea that they're a mid-major is laughable. They are a major college program. Gonzaga had the dream trip. They ended up ranked second in the AP poll with a 32-1 and record. Their only loss at home on senior night to BYU. We can talk about that till the cows come home. But what a season for them. Just a tremendous job for Mark Few and everyone else. Everyone out in Spokane. And then finally, the Villanova Wildcats. 31-3, and the number one team in the country. Won the Big East tournament. Looked like they were going to make a run. And they always... Those teams that are number one in the country, whether it's Kansas had been a bunch of times, Duke has gone into this. When you're number one in the country and you're the top overall seed in the tournament, folks, that 8-9 game is usually a tough one. And they ran into a tough Michigan team, a Wisconsin team that can shoot it, that can rebound it, that's going to battle all the way through. So the Villanova Wildcats, you may forget this, were the number one team in the country in the final AP Top 25 poll with a 31-3 and record. Let's take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to give you a rundown of where my Top 25 are right now. All right, folks, now I'm going to give you a rundown of where I have the Top 25 teams for the 2017-2018 college basketball season right now. This could change. Gus and I are going to go back and forth. Once the season starts coming around, coming around, we'll really give you a deep dive into our top 25. But right now, I took a look at it, broke it down, went team by team. This is who I have right now for the top 25. So take a listen. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. If you want to argue, you can always reach us on Twitter, like I said, at SDS Podcast. You can email the show, sdspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Tell us what you think. Here we go. Number 25 team of the country is going to be Xavier. Now, Trayvon Blewett returns for his senior season. He was arrested on the misdemeanor charge for possession of marijuana. He was declared for the draft. He decided to come back. Very, very smart move. Extremely smart move for Blewett because he returns this year as a potential first or second team All-American in the country. That's exactly right. No one's return to school meant more than Trayvon Blewett did for Xavier. Now, you're going to say, what about Michigan State? I love Miles Bridges, and I certainly do. But Michigan State could have been pretty decent. Without Trayvon Blewett, their entire season is different. You're looking at a team right now that can definitely challenge Villanova in the Big East. They're the second-best team in the Big East. I like them a heck of a lot better than Butler. You can always turn a bad situation into a good one, and that's what Trayvon Blewett is going to do this year. He declared. Now he's coming back. They have J.P. McCura back. They have Quentin Gooden, who no one is talking about. He's a sophomore point guard this year. He was Edmund Sumner's backup last year. They used to bring him in, and when he turned the ball over, Sumner's rest was over. He'd go back in the game. Not true, because after he got injured, he went from... playing like 20 minutes a game, maybe a little less, to 35 minutes per game. He averaged five assists, under three turnovers when he took over that role when Sumner got hurt. He had six assists, six or more times, and he was a key piece of that Xavier team, upset of the uh, Florida State team, number three in the NCAA tournament. With him and with Trayvon Blewett back, Xavier's going to be a top 25 team. They could be even better. I may have him low here, but I'll start him at number 25. Number 24, as Seth Greenberg said when we interviewed him, how about the fighting Ed Coolies, huh? They made the tournament. They lost in that playing game to USC, and they're returning their top seven scorers, and they got a strong recruiting class as well. They got Rodney Bullock back, 15.7 points per game. They got Emmett Holt at 12.5, Kyron Cartwright, 
11.4, Jalen Lindsay, 10.4. So they got four double-digit scores coming back. Who's not rooting for him? Ed Cooley coached at Fairfield. Now he's at Providence. This may be his most talented team that he's ever had. The Providence Friars coming in at number 24. Number 23, I'm going to put Purdue here. I think they certainly deserve it to start the season. My prediction on how they're going to do is really a prediction of how the Big Ten season is going to go. You got some real sleeper teams there as well. But I will think, I will say that based off what they did and who they have returned, they should start the season at number 23. Whether they stay there or not is a different story. They got Vince Edwards, Mr. Versatility, is coming back for his senior year, which is a great move. Carson Edwards looks like their best returning scorer. Matthias, like I said, he's doing well over in Israel. But my issue with them is going to be Haas. He hasn't developed as he should. They are not that big without him. If he's not on the floor, they are not big at all. Matt Painter does a great job, but I want to see LWB, life without Biggie. I got Purdue at number 23. Number 22, we'll go with Press Virginia, West Virginia Mountaineers. Listen, Bob Huggins always finds a way. He's got Javon Carter back. He was Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12, and he was second team all Big 12. Javon Carter, folks, could very well be the Player of the Year in the Big 12 Conference this year. They lost Nathan Adrian. They lost Tariq Phillip. Those are going to hurt. That's two major pieces especially Adrian, so they're going to need Esam Mod to improve. He always does a great job. It's impossible to win at West Virginia. We know that from the Baylor situation. So certainly I got to have Huggy Bear in there. He's got him at number 22. Number 21, Danny Hurley's Rhode Island Rams are going to be good, folks, and they're the favorite in the A-10 to start the season. Dayton, VCU going through transitions, right? New coaches. I think Rhode Island's the favorite. E.C. Matthews is returning. That's a huge thing for the Rams. He's going to be one of the leaders of that team that made it to the round of 32 last year, and they gave everything they could to Oregon. If it wasn't for a Tyler Dorsey top of the three key that was from deep, they could have really moved on there. Matthews was 14.9 points, 4.3 rounds, 1.4 assists, and 1.83 pointers per game. He even was a little disappointing last year, so I think he's going to bounce back with a huge senior year. They got seniors Jarvis Garrett, Jared Terrell, Stanford Robinson, and they got an all-rookie selection in the A-10 in Jeff Dotwin. So they have a good group as well as Deron Russell, who's coming in, who's a highly touted recruit for the Rhode Island Rams. So don't sleep on the A-10, folks. Rhode Island's going to be really good. I got him at 21. Number 20, I'll put UCLA Bruins. What are they? What's Coach Alford going to do for an encore? What do you think? Well, he's got two five-star recruits coming in, Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands. And of course, on a lesser scale, but I have to mention it, Leangelo Ball coming in, three-star recruit. Now, the Bruins lost, uh, what, four starters, right? And among them, one and done, Lonzo Ball, TJ Leaf. Uh, but he's got three top 40 recruits to offset those departures. They got Thomas Wells, the center coming back. They got Aaron Holiday returning. The question is how they're going to mesh. That's what Alford's got to do. They're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be the creme de la creme in the country. And maybe they'll be a little bit below the top teams in the Pac-12. But UCLA should be strong. I got them at number 20. Number 19, get ready for this, folks. Avery Johnson's got a cooking down in Alabama. No one ever knew if Avery was going to get things going down there, but he's done a fantastic job. Folks, they had a practice in the middle of August, and 3,000 people showed up for that practice. So you know how people say Alabama, you know, it's a football school. I get it. But people are into it. They went to the Coleman Coliseum for that practice, and there was an hour-long free workout, and people are fired up. And why are they fired up? Their number one reason is Colin Sexton, the Alabama freshman. Five-star recruit. He came in. He's really done a great job. People are excited about Alabama basketball. John Petty put on a show as well in that practice, as did Daniel Giddens, the big guy from Ohio State who transferred. So Avery Johnson has things going very, very well. He's got some exciting freshmen coming in. Petty, Sexton, 
Alex Reese as well. He's got some big-time recruits. you got to pay attention to Alabama basketball. They were 19-15 and 15 last year. This year, they're going to make a jump. I got them at number 19. Number 18, maybe with my heart more than with my head, I'll go with the Baylor Bears. They lose Motley. Al Freeman transferred to NC State. Scott Drew's returning three of his five scores from that team, the 27 wins last year. So I think they're pretty much going to be in the NCAA tournament with the fifth straight year for Scott Drew. They still got Manu. They still got Jolo, who, by the way, is being touted as a first-round pick for the uh, NBA draft. So he's got a lot to prove there. Baylor always plays that zone. It's going to be a tough matchup. They're going to miss Motley. I'll put him at 18. Maybe I should have put him a little higher than that in terms of towards the back end here, but I'll put him at 18. They're going to be solid. They got a point guard and a center back and a real good coach in Scott Drew. 17, I'll do it, folks. We'll go back. St. Mary's, number 17. They proved a lot. They had a tough loss to Arizona in the NCAA tournament, and basically what Gus told you is 100% true. They just didn't match up well with Gonzaga. I don't know why Landell couldn't stay out of foul trouble in any of those games. I have no idea. But basically, that was the bad matchup because they played everybody really, really well. They got their top three scores back, Landell, Hermanson, Nar. Landell is probably the favorite for the player of the year in the West Coast Conference. So St. Mary's is back. Randy Bennett's there. With Gonzaga maybe being knocked down a little bit from where they were last year, St. Mary's could be dangerous in the West Coast Conference. They're number 17. 16, one of my favorite stories. Gus talked about as well, Northwestern. They made the NCAA tournament the first time in school history, folks. They're going to make it again next year as well. They got their top five scorers all returning. Brian McIntosh, who's 14.8 points per game. Scotty Lindsay, right back, 14 points per game. Vic Law at 12. Derek Pardon's back, 8.6. Isaiah Brown, 6.3. The only person they lost was Sanjay Lumpkin. Chris Collins has turned it around. Northwestern's going to be a top team in the Big Ten. Big Ten's loaded next year, by the way. Wait till we get the next team. We didn't even get to Michigan State yet, but Northwestern's going to be real good. They're going to make the tournament again. I got them as the 16th best team in the country coming in. Number 15, 15, their conference mate, little under the radar here, Minnesota Golden Golfers. Richard Pitino, folks, Big Ten Coach of the Year. He took the Gophers from 23 losses last year to 23 wins this past year. That's an incredible turnaround. They were fourth place in the Big Ten, and they got most of the key players back. They lost in that first round to Middle Tennessee State in the NCAA tournament. But listen to this. 23 wins was a school record for regular season wins. 11 conference wins was the most for Minnesota since 1990. Five conference road wins, which is the most since 1982. And eight straight wins they had in Big Ten play, which was their longest streak since 1978. They had their best Big Ten finish fourth in 12 seasons. Richard Pitino's doing a fantastic job, and the Golden Gophers deserve my spot. I got him at number 15. 14, my guy, talked about it before, Mick Cronin. He got the Bearcats into seven consecutive NCAA tournaments, and the eighth trip is definitely going to happen. They got Jacob Evans back. They got Kyle Washington back. They got Gary Clark back and Jerron Cumberland, and they're going to be the favorites in the AAC. SMU lost some guys. Cincinnati's going to be tough. They're going to learn from last year. They played UCLA tough in the tournament as we knew they would. Mick Cronin does an excellent job. I really like Cincinnati. This is a team that's going to score better than they did last year. They're going to play hard-nosed defense. I got them inside my top 15 at number 14. Number 13, the defending national champions, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And listen, they would be in the top 10, no doubt, if Tony Bradley came back. But the Tony Bradley loss was very surprising and really hurt them. 
We knew Justin Jackson was leaving. Bradley's gone. They still got Jill Berry. They still got a solid nucleus and some good recruits. I think they're going to battle. They're going to be tough in the, in the ACC. They're going to have troubles with Louisville and Duke. But I just can't put North Carolina with old Roy, the three titles, and Joel Berry coming back. Healthy Joel Berry, might I add. I can't put them lower than number 13. So maybe Luke May can get some more magic in those shots and get some more standing ovations when he goes to class at 8 a.m. the next day. Tar Heels will be 13. Number 12, fellow ACC team, Notre Dame fight and Irish, Mike Bray. They lose Beecham. They lose Steve Astoria. No one loves Steve Astoria more than me, right? But uh, point guard Matt Farrell and, of course, Bonzi Colson, who very well could be a first-team All-American, will be inside-outside duo that should be fantastic. Bray will get them in the NCAA tournament for the eighth time in the last nine years. You have a great point guard in Farrell who can shoot it. You have a big man in Bonzi Colson. You have a solid coach in Mike Bray. I don't see how they're any lower than the 12th team. Number 12 is Notre Dame. Number 11, I'll put Florida. Mike White did a fantastic job. The Devin Robinson loss is really devastating because they could have been a top six, seven team if he hadn't. But they're still going to return a strong team. They get Keevon Allen back, 14 points per game, had a great NCAA tournament. Canyon Barry is gone. Casey Hill is gone. But they get John Igbunu back, who was injured mid-year. Imagine what they could have done if he, they had him the whole year. So Mike White does a great job. They have a good recruiting class. They have some solid big men. Chris Chioza came on real strong, averaged 7.2 points per game, but had a fantastic NCAA tournament. So him, Allen, Ibunu, recruiting class, Mike White doing a great job. Florida certainly is worthy. They're going to be my number 11 team. Now let's move into the top 10. Number 10, another Florida school. I'm going to put the Miami Hurricanes ahead of Florida. I'm going to put them at number 10. Jim Laranega is very, very dangerous. We know that back from the George Mason run. Miami's got six of their top eight scores back, and they got a strong top 10 recruiting class. Miami is back, folks. People want to go there. Kids want to go there. And even though Jimmy Laranega is a little up there in age, he can coach with the best of them. They got five-star recruit Lonnie Walker, who's headlining that class. He had knee surgery in July, but he looks like he's going to be healthy, and the Hurricanes should be very, very good. This is a tough team. They battle hard. Remember, they had that big win over North Carolina at home, blew them out during the regular season. ACC, Hurricanes could definitely be up there towards the top and could run and run a chance if Duke were to stumble for their second title in the last six years for Jimmy Laranega and the Miami Hurricanes. They actually break my top 10. They are number 10. Number nine, this one may surprise you. I'm going to put Villanova at number nine. Now, I know Omari Spellman's coming back. They didn't have him last year. He was the best recruit. Phil Booth injury. A lot of Villanova fans would tell you the Phil Booth injury was huge. Uh, but the Wildcats should be at the top of the Big East. I just don't know if they're going to be at the top as much as they've been dominating the last few years. I'm a little bothered by how that NCAA tournament went. They're the number one team, but they lost twice to Butler. Then they go into the NCAA tournament, they can't get by Wisconsin. The book on Villanova, until they won that title two years ago, was that they never win the big game in the NCAA tournament. And besides making that Final Four run with Scotty Reynolds when they beat Pittsburgh, they have been very disappointing. So I'm a little hesitant now. Now, after no Josh Hart and all the guys are gone, we're banking on Spellman. Jay Wright's been great there. Villanova's going to be in the mix, but I'm not putting them towards the top five yet. I'm going to be Missouri on this one, the show me state. Let me see it first. Villanova, you'll be fine. 
I got you as a top team in the Big East, and I got you number nine. Number eight, Louisville Cardinals. Again, sour taste, as I said, in Patino's mouth the way last year ended. Donovan Mitchell's gone, but the Cardinals should still be very, very strong. They got uh, the late signing of five-star recruit Brian Bowen. Uh, they got Dang Adele coming back. Quentin Snyder, very good core group here. Exciting brand of basketball. Patino's looking for his eighth Final Four. He's got a chance to get it because they're my number eight team, Louisville Cardinals. Number seven, and I wanted to put them higher, but I just couldn't find a team to knock down. Folks, USC is going to be the best team in California. You can take that to the bank. They usually lose players who declare, right? They've had some players who've declared early. But they got a ton of guys back, and everyone is coming back. Anyone who is matters is coming back for that team. They won a school record 26 games last year. They had Benny Boatwright, who was injured and came on midway through the year and was so instrumental in that big win over SMU. Chemezi Metu, and, and they are going to be very, very strong. Andy Enfield is going to get him into the tournament. This is their third straight time. They are the best team, best team in the West Coast out there in Southern California. I think USC is the real deal. I think they're loaded. I'm fired up for them. I got them as number seven on my list. Number six, Wichita State Shockers. They got everybody back, folks. 31 games. Greg Marshall never gets any respect in the Missouri Valley. No problem. He's going to move to the AAC this year. Landry Shamit should be fine from the surgery. Marcus Mustafi is back. This is a team that is very strong, top to bottom. They played a tough game against Kentucky, and if that shot wasn't blocked by Shamit, who knows what would have happened. Wichita State is someone who's going to be on everybody's shortlist. They're going to be in the top five of many teams. I got them as six, just a notch below. But Wichita State, for me, is going to be a top six team this year. Number five, I'll go with the Kansas Jayhawks. Self is looking for his 14th straight Big 12 title. Incredible. And by all reports, transfer Malik Newman and then more more importantly, five-star freshman Billy Preston are lighting it up. He lost Mason. He lost Jackson. But Graham is back. He's got the big men inside. He's got a very talented team. I think he's going to slide a notch. I did not put him in the top four because you lose a player of the year like Frank Mason. I just don't think it's that easy. But he's got transfers now he's going for. Preston seems to be the real deal. Kansas is loaded. He is the favorite yet again for the 14th amazing straight Big 12 title. I'm going to put Duke number four, and I know this is going to shock a lot of people. Here's my thought. First of all, we don't know how much Marvin Bagley is going to be playing this year. Bagley could be cleared right away. He could be have to sit for a little bit. We have to wait and hear. So until I know that for sure, I think this is the right spot. My other issue is I know they have Duval, the five-star recruit. I know they got Gary Trent, who I love, Jr., but let's remember that Coach Krzyzewski, he's not been the greatest with having the five-star players mix without some strong leadership. Quinn Cook led that team with Emil Jefferson, and Matt Jones played big minutes. That won that title. Tyus Jones was okay for most of the year, but came on in the tournament. Okafer, of course, was dominant inside. And if Bagley can do that, then they're going to be fine. But that team was not all freshmen. So while Coach K is great, and he may be the greatest coach of all time, uh, this may not be very popular, but it's true. Folks, 
Calipari has shown the ability to do this year in and year out. I am not just going to assume because he's got a bunch of five-star recruits and Grayson Allen as their leader, who, by the way, I think we can say is a questionable leader. He may turn it around. I hope he does. Gus talked about this. But can we? are we just going to pencil him in right now as some incredible role model for these kids to come in after what he went through last year? I need to see it first. I think Duke is loaded. I think they're going to be very good. And if Bagley is cleared, they should be even better. But I am not going to put them ahead of the three teams I have up here in front of them because, quite frankly, I haven't seen it with Calipari. I've seen it with Calipari. I haven't seen it with Krzyzewski. And I'm going to go with some more veteran players. So Duke at four is fine for me. Number three, I'm putting Kentucky. And the reason I'm putting Kentucky ahead of Duke is really very simple. As much as you talk about Duke's great recruiting class, folks, Kentucky's still the best. They got Hamadou Diallo, five-star point guard, who was practicing with the team last year and has experience. They got Kevin Knox, five-star recruit. Jared Vanderbilt, five-star recruit. P.J. Washington, five-star recruit. Nick Richards, five-star recruit. Craig Quaid Green, five-star recruit. And just for good measure, they got Shai Gajilius Alexander and, J- and Jamal Baker, both as four-star recruits. No one has proven the ability to push and meld the talent together better than John Calipari. So I don't see how you can put Duke ahead of Kentucky. Kentucky does it every year. Kentucky gets to the Final Four. They get to an Elite Eight. They're battling no matter what happens. And he has his best recruiting class that he's ever had. How can you put Duke ahead of Kentucky? It makes no sense to me. I'm going to put Calipari at three, and I'm going to do it because he's got a better proven track record of taking these high recruits and having them meld right away without any senior senior leadership whatsoever for the most part and producing. So I think Kentucky should be number three. And my final two are very simple. I'm going to put Arizona number two. Alonzo Trier came back and dominated when he returned. So he comes back. That loss to Xavier stings them so badly. He was so good in that game. A full year of Alonzo Tree could be looking at a first-team All-American. You guys know I love Raleigh Alkins. Deucen Rizdick is going to be back, the big man inside. And with those leaders, you're going to sprinkle in DeAndre Ayton and Emmanuel Acott. So you got your high-priced recruits coming in. You got a great recruiting class like Duke, but you have more senior leadership than you do with Duke. And that's why I like Arizona. He's got experience. He's got talent. It's a perfect combination. And Sean Miller's ready. It was Dana Altman's turn this year. It will be Sean Miller's turn next year. I think he's the number two team in the country, and I have them as a solid choice to get to the championship game. And my number one team, you haven't heard them yet, is going to be the Michigan State Spartans. Tom Izzo got Miles Bridges to stay. I have no idea how he did it, but you know what? Kudos to him. You have size, you have guards, you have shooting ability, you have recruits, you have it all. He's got Nick Ward coming back, 13.9 and 6.5 as a freshman. He's got Langford and Winston. He's got McQuaid. He's got the five-star recruit, Jaron Jackson, who looks to be tremendous. And coming off the bench, they have so much depth. Lou Rawls, Nairn Jr., Tum Tum Nairn, senior guard, great leader, super quick, 
going to come off the bench and he'll be excited to do it. Great team player. Gavin Schilling, he would have been a starter last year if he didn't get hurt, but he's been cleared and returning to practice after the knee injury. He's going to be a valuable senior forward. And just to have that shooter off the bench, they got Matt McQuaid, the junior guard. I think Michigan State's got it from top to bottom. I think they have enough with the recruiting class, but they have probably the national preseason player of the year in Miles Bridges leading them. They have a great coach. They're by far my number one team. I don't want to hear about players coming from high school. We heard about Marcus Bolden last year, how that turned out. I'm sure Duke's going to be very, very good. But there's a difference between Duke and Michigan State. Michigan State's my number one team. Arizona's two. Kentucky is three. So there you go, folks. There's my rundown of my top 25. As always, let us know if you like it. You don't. You want to argue. Please hit us up on Twitter at SDS Podcast. You can email the show, SDSPodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure Gus is on his way back from beautiful Maine tomorrow or the next day. So you'll be hearing us later this week coming at you with a, with a podcast as well. It's the calm before the storm, folks. It's August. We're getting ready for basketball season. Screen the Screener is going to be here. we got some big things coming on the way. Thanks so much for listening. 